Who is this man is our theme as we focus on Jesus in uncertain times. The one thing that we can find certainty in is Jesus as our savior, as our guide, our shepherd, the one who shows us the way. And we're finding some insight into who he is from an Old Testament passage in Exodus chapter 33 today. Last week we were in chapter 31 and in this section of scripture you find Moses called by God to lead the children of Israel into the promised land and they have lots of adversities that they encounter. Just prior to chapter 33, God had called Moses up to the mountaintop where he met with God and God gave him the Ten Commandments, the famous moment in time when God wrote this down on tablets of stone and Moses brought this down from the mountain. In doing so, when he got back to the camp, one of the challenging things of that day was that the children of Israel had grown impatient, waiting for Moses to come down. And they started figuring out things on their own, making up their own ideas of what mattered. And in doing so, they actually made a golden calf as an image to worship. And they named it Yahweh. And here they had built an image out of their own choosing, out of their own jewelry and things that they had in their possession. And they decided, here's what we're going to do because they got weary of waiting for the leader to come back with a word. Sometimes we get like that. We get anxious about the things that are going on and in the faith of that we're on our faith journey, it's important for us to wait on God. Listen to him, what's he saying to us? There are times where there's seasons to wait and other times where he's giving us very specific directives on what to do and how to go. In the days that we're in, one of the concerns that I find is that the, some who are followers of, of Jesus get impatient, waiting for him and start getting active in other ways and making up ideas that sounds like what they think God would say, yet things are divided. When the church gets divided in their opinions on all kinds of issues on all sides, we're not actually listening to God because he brings us together. Whenever there's division, we're taking control of something that we're not waiting for God to show us how to move and what to do. I want to encourage you about that today, even as we study this story that we're going to move into in chapter 33. It's on the heels of a great problem that the people were having. They weren't following God. They decided to make their own and they thought they were right. Here's what it's like to follow God. We're going to decide. And Moses had to correct them. And now we find him calling on God again on the heels of all of this adversity to say, I need your help. Please show me what you want us to do. We find Jesus is represented in the Old Testament too. We find Jesus from the beginning of the book to the end of the book. The Old Testament prepares us for the coming of Jesus in person yet he's very active in the work of God in the Old Testament passages as well. So we'll find Jesus in this story. Jesus' presence in our lives sets us apart from all other people. This is what we need is his presence in our journey. Exodus chapter 33, let's go there and read beginning at verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, 
See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. Moses is concerned that he's not out here all on his own, trying to lead a people that weren't really following him. He's saying to God, you called me to lead. You've said that I've found favor in your sight. You haven't told me who you're going to send with me. Sometimes we're in seasons like that. We're supposed to be going together. Why is it that we're divided? The church in general I'm speaking about, not just us here sitting in this room. The church of Jesus in America and maybe even around the world gets divided in trying to figure out how to go. We're, we're not waiting on Jesus, our head, to show us where we should be going and we start making up ideas of our own and we're going to have different ideas. Somebody sees it one way, somebody sees it another, and both ideas, persons think they're right. We can't all be right about something that we're conflicted on. If we feel it like it's such a deep conviction, well... Maybe it's okay to have convictions about some things, but don't spiritualize it into saying, this is God. This could just be me. I think this. That's okay. If I think something about a certain thing and you think something different about that thing, well, so be it. We think different about something. But let's not all claim that it's God, that our opinion is him. It can't be if we're all people of faith and we've come to different conclusions. Somehow God's not confused. We are. We need to slow down and say, like Moses is saying, all right, you've said that I found favor in your sight, then I hope so. And he's asking again, please make it sure that I found favor in your sight. You've called me to lead these people. Who are you going to send with me? And here's God's response in verse 14. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest Man, that sounds good to me today. He said, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. I need some rest. There's so many days filled with anxiety, so many days filled with unrest. What's the opposite of rest? Unrest. We get anxious. We get all messed up inside. I'm saying, God, I'm, I'm hearing your voice. You said you're going to go with me and you're going to give me rest. I'm looking for that. And Moses said back to God, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? Incredible statement here that's being made. Moses said, don't send me out of here if you're not going to go with me. Because isn't it your presence that will show that we are uniquely different and that this is desirable? And the Lord said to Moses, verse 17, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight and I know you by name. I'm asking, would you receive this word for you today? I believe it is. 
what God is saying to Moses, he says to me, he says to you, I will do this thing for you. You have found favor in my sight and I know you by name. God is saying he wants to put his favor on you and he knows you. I love that, that he knows me by name and his favor is gifted to me. And I'm saying that's great because I want you to go with me. I don't want to go on my own. I need you. Moses said in response to this, please show me your glory. Please show me your glory. If you take anything away today, let it be that statement of Moses. Please, God, show me your glory. I want to say that today. I want to say it tomorrow. I want to say it every day this week. Please show me your glory. I need you to be my portion. I need you to lead me in where I'm headed. And he said, God said back to Moses, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock and while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. This is God's response to Moses' plea. Please show me your glory. I will, but please understand God is saying, I give you a glimpse of my glory. I can't give you the fullness of it because you wouldn't be able to handle it. It would cause you your demise. Here's a principle that we can walk with today. There is no promised land without the presence of God. Moses was trying to lead the people to the promised land. He's like, I can't get there. There's no way to see that. I don't know how unless you go with me. There is no promised land void of the presence of God. If we think that we're smart enough and wise enough to get all this stuff figured out while we're here, we become the most confused. We need God's presence. He's the one who takes us to the promised land. He's the one that brings us to our eternal home. He has given us a blessed hope that what lies before us is a brand new body. You know that we'll get a glorified body that when he gives us that, we'll be able to see him face to face and live forever. In this temporary broken down vessel, we get glimpses of him. We see now through a glass dimly. One day we'll see him face to face. We will know all things even as we're known. What a day that will be. Right now, there's some things that are a bit mysterious. Some things that are challenging to understand. We're trying to figure all that out. And we can certainly grow in the knowledge of God's word and his truth. There's a lot he's given us to show us who he's like and what he's like. But it's going to be his back and not his face. As Moses was, God declared to Moses, you can't look upon my face and and survive. It says a lot about who God is. What did Moses do in order to see God? He said one thing, please show me your glory. After that, he didn't have to do anything. If you want to see the glory of God, it comes from your heart that wants it. 
After that, what do you do? Wait for him. He's the one that's going to do what is in our heart to do. Please show me your glory. And the Lord said, there's a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. All you got to do is stand still. And while my glory passes by, I'll put you in the cleft of the rock. I'll shield you there. God would do that. Moses didn't even have to go find it. God said to Moses, stand here on this rock. I'll hide you in the cleft of it so that you'll be protected there. I'll cover you with my hand until I've passed by and then you can see my back. That's enough glory for one day. <laughs> like, I'm ready for that. God, just show me your back, all right? I'm, I'm good with that. I want to live right now, so until you give me my glorified body in heaven and I can see you face to face and that's going to be amazing forever, then show me what you can so that I can experience your presence like Moses did. All we can do is ask, but we must ask. Only in asking do we receive. This is a very important principle. Moses asked, please show me your glory. What were the other people doing? Building things of their own making. Making things up. Going, isn't this cool? Look what we did. And Moses is saying, please God, show me your glory. We need to ask for that. You need to ask for that. I need to ask for that. I'm here today to plead for me and to plead for you and ask you to plead with me. We should all be saying the same thing. Please, show me your glory. I don't want to go from here unless you go with me. I won't get to the promised land without your presence. It's the only way to get where I need to go is if your favor is on me and your presence goes with me. I need to ask. God is the one who provides what we need. He has given us a rock, the Lord Jesus. Here's where we find Jesus. He is the rock upon which we stand. When we say, please show me your glory, and we put our faith in Jesus, we're standing on the rock. Then he hides us in the cleft of the rock by his grace. His grace is the covering that protects me from my sins. Jesus hides me in the cleft of his grace, and then he puts his hand on me, his nail-pierced hand. Jesus puts on me. And in that, he covers all my shame and he covers my sinfulness so that now I can see a glimpse of his glory as he passes by and live. He has taken away my sins. I'm standing on Jesus. He hides me in the cleft of his grace. His hand protects me as he died for me and my sins. And now I've got a blessed Savior that I can hold on to forever. Jesus is our source. There is no barrier between you and God. No barrier between you and God. There had been. Our sins is a barrier between us and God. It is important for us to know that now he has paid the price and he's gone before us. The best remedy for a broken heart is a new vision of the glory of God. If I feel like there's something wrong with me that I can't find favor with God because of all the things I've done wrong, I just need a glimpse of his presence because he will hide me in his grace. He will put his hand, his nail-pierced hand on me where he took my sins upon himself 
And when I walk away from this encounter with Jesus, I'm free. There's no barrier between you and God. As I look at Jesus, I find him in the New Testament and discover what it means to really follow him. Will you look for a moment at Jesus, how he reveals what the Father is like and how we can follow him when we really have encountered his glory? When we see this encounter that God has with Moses, one of the things we realize is that God is so holy and we are so sinful that there is no way for us to stand in his presence face to face and make that work. God knows that about us, so he provided a way through. When Jesus took our sins upon the cross, he provided the escape that we need to get free from all the things that hinder us. A Jesus follower likes to talk about him, but they do it in such a way that causes you to want to know more about him. Have you been with people who when they talk about Jesus, it's like, man, that sounds so good. I want to know him. Sometimes people talk about their religious beliefs in a way that doesn't cause me to want to know what they know. I don't want to know what they're talking about. Like, that sounds ugly. What are you talking about? Let's talk about Jesus. If we're going to follow Jesus, then, then talk about him. When we really are Jesus followers and not religious followers, when we're not interested in forming our own club and having everybody do it the way we do it and lining up their opinion with our opinion, when it really is about Jesus, the one who has paid the price for our sins, the one who, when Jesus died on the cross, the curtain that was the veil in the tabernacle in the temple that only the priest could go behind, no one else could go. If anyone ever tried, they, they would not live. And there were some who died because they didn't prepare themselves to go behind, behind the holy curtain. Only those who followed the exact processes that God had prescribed could do that. Now, when Jesus died on the cross, there's a moment when the sins, your sins, mine, were placed upon him. There was thunder in the heavens. The curtain in the literal temple tore in two. And now there's no separation between us, mere humans, in our sinfulness, and God in his holiness and righteousness to get to him. The curtain is torn. The access is available. Jesus has become the go-between. Jesus has become our mediator. He has become the one who gives us access. That's why I want his presence in my life. Jesus is the source that gives me access to a holy God. And I know that I can't have it on my own. But when I get to know him, how awesome is it to walk in that comfort of his love? When you talk about Jesus, does it cause other people to go, man, that's amazing. I love him so much because I realized what he did for me, that he humbled himself. He actually, as God, took on human form. Think about that. That's wild thought. Such humility that he would do that. He took a lot of, he took a lot of suffering, a lot of pain, a lot of accusations that people threw at him that weren't true. He suffered in being whipped to the point near of death. 39 lashes with a Roman whip is one of the most awful things that a human could endure. 
I counted 39 because you go past that, you just might take that person's life from them. He carried a cross up to a hill where they nailed him to it. He suffered like no other. And then not just the physical suffering, there've been people that have suffered physical trial. Jesus didn't have to, and he took this on himself for my well-being. But the most excruciating thing he did was when he bore my sins. He paid for the penalty of my sins in his death. So much so, it actually is what took his life from him in that moment. His heart burst with the weight of darkness hanging on the cross. And when he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? His father, for the first time in all of eternity, could not have fellowship with his own son because Jesus bore sinfulness that day. All of it. The father looked away. Jesus felt that. That's a torment that he'd never felt before. I'm on my own here. I'm, I'm hanging here all by myself. I'm feeling the crushing weight of the most awful acts and attitudes and everything that goes with what sinfulness is. And he bears that in himself on the cross. And he looks up to say, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his life. He died. He went into a tomb. We have some ideas in the scripture that he went even to hell and grabbed the keys that Satan has no power over anyone. Jesus has all the power. He has all, all that is needed. If any of us would just put our faith in Jesus, we're putting our faith in the one who has the keys of death and hell in the grave. What does that mean? It means that when we put our faith in him, chains fall, fear bows. Jesus, he changes everything. We have a banner on the, uh, we have a banner on I don't know, something out here, I think at the fountain level on the side of the deal that surrounds the fountain, it says Jesus changes everything. He does. He changes everything. How can I meet him so precious, so beautifully? How can I discover him? Please, God, show me your glory. Please, Jesus, show me who you are. And if I can actually get a taste of his love and his mercy and what he did for me, and let my sins melt away and let my heart be completely humbled where I know that I didn't achieve this, he achieved it for me. And all I wanna do is reflect him. All I wanna do is let other people know that they can experience such mercy and such love too. It's not held out from anyone who asks, but we have to ask. And if I really wanna follow Jesus, if I have that desire to let him be known, the more I talk about him, it should be that people around me go, that sounds really good. Sometimes we're talking about everything but Jesus. We're talking about other things that we think are our new religion, like things of the day that we've got opinions about. And if you're a Jesus follower, this is how you're gonna think, like really? Let's get back to Jesus. This is where I'm at today as 
I prepare my heart for this moment to share with you. I feel a whole lot of anxiety on walking through the week, trying to figure out how to lead. I feel like Moses' statement sometimes when I read that is like, man, I feel like that. You asked me to lead these people. You haven't told me who's going to go. Not everybody will. Some people like a different path, like have a different opinion about all. I don't know about all that. I'm just coming here today to say, let's talk about Jesus. Let's focus our attention on him. He's sweet. He's precious. He's powerful. He's everything I need. When I reflect who he is, my prayer is that that sounds really desirable by anyone who would care to listen, that you know somebody like that. You know somebody that even with all the mess that you've done, all the horrible things that you've committed, that he's okay with you, like he still cares about you. He still says, I know you by name, and yes, my favor is upon you. Moses has already failed plenty, all kinds of failures. And yet God is saying to him, I give you my favor, and I know you by name. I'm hearing that today for me, for you. A Jesus follower embraces their enemy with love. How do I know that? Because that's what he did and that's what he said. I can still hear Jesus saying, if you only love those who love you, what reward is there in that? His followers know this and hold what is still a very unpopular belief that it's good to love people that aren't like you. It's good to love people who don't agree with what your faith beliefs are. It's good to love them too. Jesus said, what good is it if you just do it for the people that agree with you? What about those who don't? Jesus came to love the people that killed him, to love the people who spoke ill of him that was untrue, all kinds of lies. And he's like, I, I love you. Father, forgive them. It's another saying from the cross. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. Such love, such mercy, such grace. As a Jesus follower, if I'm speaking ill of everybody in this world who doesn't agree with how I think or what my faith is like, I've departed from following Jesus at that point. I'm kind of doing this on my own. I'm reflecting my insecurities. I'm, I'm reflecting my lack of understanding because Jesus says that's not what you do. Love those who would even be your enemy. A Jesus follower is full of compassion for outsiders. Reading through the Gospels, how many times have I do I see him say he had compassion for? Compassion for the sick, compassion for the sinner, compassion for the broken. There's many examples of it. There's just three, Mark 6 and verse 3. If you get a chance to jot these down, or our notes are always on the Bible app on Version. You can reference them later. Matthew 9, 36, Mark 8, 2. Each of these verses are statements of Jesus having compassion. When you read through the Gospels to find Jesus in the Gospels, you will find him being so much 
a person of compassion, and he's calling us to that. A Jesus follower is full of compassion for outsiders. A Jesus follower is the one who is quickest to show others mercy. Quickest to show others mercy. Jesus once was in conversation with some religious elite of the day. They thought they knew better than him. They were oppressing the weak. They were colluding with the empire. They wanted political power. This is, we're not in a really that much of a different day than there's ever been. Humans are always trying to get power. When Christians are trying to get power in the human form, we're thinking that this is good, but we've made up an idol of our own making. Jesus has the power. I just want to follow him. He'll handle the rest. He'll show us what to do. He'll give us wisdom in the journey. As I follow him, Jesus said, go and learn what this means. He said this to those religious elite. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Mercy. Would that be good for us to have mercy for people that are broken? Mercy for people who we see as the enemy. A Jesus follower, when asked to describe what God is like, describes Jesus. We see Jesus saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. When we see Jesus and what he's like, he said, now you know what my Father's like. The best glimpse of the Father in heaven is watching Jesus, what he does, what he says, what he teaches, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. A Jesus follower, if we're asked to describe what God is like, we should immediately go to Jesus and describe what he's like. We realize in all of human history, the only time God's exact essence was revealed to us was when Jesus came. This is God. One of the things I feel strongly on my heart today is to pray the prayer, make the statement Moses made to God. Please show me your glory. I was a youth pastor in San Jose a couple of years out of Bible school. I was 23, 24 years old. It was a joyful season of life. We had a youth group. We had a choir that we would take on tour in the summers of about 100 high school and college age young people. It was really well done. There was a choir director that handled that with a band, and it was beautiful. We would take tours every summer, a couple weeks. We went to Washington one year, went to Texas, Southern Cal. Those were great times to be with one another and be focusing on God. We were at the end of our tour in Texas. We'd done church services. We'd done some services in a youth camp. And we were down to the end of it. And when you're in those settings, it's like going to camp and you get really fired up the longer you're there. Like you feel the momentum spiritually building. You have some great experiences when you press in like that. And I could tell like our young people in our group, they were really excited about their experience and how they were feeling about God. 
This last service we had was a weeknight. It wasn't a regular church night. So it wasn't the most amazing crowd that night. And as our choir sang, it looked like there's more people in the choir than in the crowd. And they gave it their all. And I was feeling it because they were feeling it. But it was like in the crowd, I didn't feel like they were feeling it. And I remember getting up at the end of that just to wrap it up. And you can usually tell the atmosphere in the house. It didn't feel like the atmosphere was real vibrant. And I thought, I just need to get to conclude this. We've had a great time. It's all fine. Let's wrap this up. And as I'm talking, sharing my conclusion, I'm going to ask people to pray. There was a couple of the members of our band that were near the side of the stage. And I saw them get up and go back behind the stage. And it just caught my attention. Didn't think too much of it. But then 30 seconds later, there's three or four others that got up and did the same thing. Now it started to distract me. Like, what are they doing? And I'm trying to still concentrate and wrap this up. And I motioned to one of our leaders, hey, go check out what's happening. And I saw a couple more people go and nobody comes back. And now there's like six more. And now there's kids in the choir that are going. I'm like, I better pray and wrap this up. I, I don't know what's happening. Finished it up, let dismiss the crowd, and then I went back. By then, nearly, nearly the whole choir had followed their way off the stage into the back. And there was a back room, kind of a prep room. It had some stairs up to the baptistry, and the baptistry is open to the stage. So you could kind of hear noise. I could hear some noise going on. I'm still trying to figure out what's happening. As soon as I got back, turned the corner, the most amazing feeling hit me. It was like, the presence of God, really, it's hard to explain until you have it happen, until you experience it, until, like, I just walked into a cloud of presence. Like, it was amazing. And I stumble in there, and there's kids laying on the ground having to step around people. Like, what happened? And I learned later that the first couple who went back there, they just were feeling God's presence, really special, and they didn't know where the lights were. And they got back there and just fell on the ground praying. And then the next couple went back there didn't know where the lights were either. And they stumbled over the ones on the ground. So now there's just more people on the ground. And it's like a pile of people praying. Finally, somebody got the lights on. There was kids that went up the baptistry there in the tank. It didn't have water in it, thankfully. And they were in the bottom of it. And they were praying. And there was this prayer going on. And there were songs being sung. And all of a sudden, we had the most amazing prayer meeting I think I've ever been in. And I'll never forget it. It's as vivid to me talking about it today as it was, man, that must be like 40 years ago. And I can taste it, and I can sense it, and I can feel it. And I've had many more experiences of God's presence and his glory coming like that. And this is where I feel today my heart is. Please, God, show us your glory. I want that again. I want that for me. I want that for you. I'm confident you want that too. That's what we need. We need his presence. We need his glory. We need the things of this earth to grow strangely dim. 
in the light of his glory and of his grace. There's so much that is so messy. There's so much that's so anxiety-driven. There's so much that causes me anxiousness day to day that I'm just saying to God now every day, please show me your glory. I want you. I want your presence. I don't want to try to figure these things out. I just want you to show up. I want us all to come together in Jesus. Everything else will fade away if we can come together and represent him and talk about him and act like him and not turn our religion into something other than him. Dear God, help us to reflect who you are in this world today. Help us to love those that have been seen as the enemy. Help us that when we talk about Jesus, other people go, man, that is awesome. Tell me more. I want to have what you have. I want the peace that you have. I want the love that you have. I want the grace. I want the mercy that you have. Please, Lord, show me your glory. And I pray that over this house today that that's what we will have is your presence and your glory that will show us the way. Lead us in the path that you have mapped up for us. We want to know you. We want to follow you. We're here to seek you today. Touch us with your grace and your presence. We ask this in Jesus' name.